Welcome to the podcast of Seven Rivers Presbyterian Church in Lakanto, Florida. Our passion is to be a church that enjoys God, experiences His grace, and reflects His love to our community and beyond. To join our local body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at sevenrivers.org. writes in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, this, this proverb that I feel like is so helpful for us to lean on this morning as we face hard decisions, difficult decisions. So if you would, would you stand with me and read this, these two verses, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. This is God's word. It's eternal and will last forever. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your paths. You can have a seat. What's the key, right, to making a decision? Right there in verse 5, trust God. Lean on him. When you are deciding whether to get married or to not get married, trust God with that decision. When you're deciding to take a new job or to not take that job, trust God. When you're deciding at the end of the month where to put your money, what to do with it as you do your budget, trust God. At the end of verse 6, it says this, as you trust God, he will make straight, he will make smooth your paths. So what does this look like? What does it look like to trust and to lean on our Father the first thing, and this is important, the first thing you must do when making a decision and trusting as you trust God is to seek God's will. In Matthew 6, 31 through 33, Jesus, he's preaching to a great crowd, and he says this about anxiety. Let me read it to you. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When it comes to making a decision, the kingdom of God is the forefront. It's the target. Your desire, your wants, should be to fulfill God's will. I've seen a Many Christians, though, fall into this trap where they feel like, I don't know God's will, so I can't do anything. I, d- I don't know what he wants from me. And they become paralyzed in the decision-making process because it's, they're overwhelmed because they can't figure out what God wants them to do in this situation. But don't be fooled by this logic. You do know God's will. You're holding it in your hands. It's the Bible. In the Bible, as you read it, you will discover God's heart. You will see his redemptive plan throughout space, time, and history. You will see what he desires and what he loves and what he does not love and what he hates. And as you face your decisions, you will know who your father is. In 1 Corinthians 3.16 Paul asks this question, 
Not only do you have God's word, but you also have the Holy Spirit in you. Paul says, do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? You have the scriptures, you have the spirit in you. You do know what God wants. You do know who he is. You do know his will. Solomon, the proverb writer, when he takes the throne after his father David dies, he's approached by God in a dream. And in this dream, God asked Solomon to request for anything, and he would give it to him. Solomon could have asked for his enemies to be destroyed. He could have asked for more money. He could have asked to live forever. But do you know what he requested from the Lord? In 1 Kings 3, 7 through 9, this is Solomon's response to God. He says, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? What does Solomon seek? He seeks the wisdom of God. He confesses right off the bat, I don't know what to do. I'm a child, but here I am, a king. I have no idea how to be a king. And he asks God to give him understanding, to know what is good and to know what is evil. In Matthew 6.10, we just did the Lord's Prayer. Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, as he teaches us how to pray, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, as you pray, as God's children seek the kingdom to come to earth in all its ways, seek it. Seek the will of God. Read and pray through scripture and listen to the Holy Spirit as it speaks to your heart. Secondly, ask wise counsel. In 1 Kings 12, Solomon has a son. His name is Rehoboam, and he takes the throne after Solomon passes. And he reigns over Israel, but right from the beginning of his reign, he is met with a huge decision to make, one that could change the course of Israel's history, one that feels absolutely overwhelming to him. And so you know what he does? He goes and he seeks counsel from the old wise men who counseled his father. And he asks them, what should I do in this decision? And they, and they, they speak to him and they give him advice. But then he does something else. He seeks the counsel of young men. He asks his friends and his peers, what should he do? And both counsels disagreed with each other. And so he had to make a choice to pick who would he trust, the old wise men or the young men. He trusted his peers. And as a result, Israel broke out into civil war and divided into two kingdoms. And this was the first pillar to fall in the kingdom of Israel where eventually they would end up in exile When it comes to making decisions, remember, first, targets God's will. That's the aim. 
Second, ask wise men and women. Proverbs 12, 15. Solomon writes, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Then Proverbs 19, 20 through 21. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And then in Proverbs 28, 26. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. There are people in your life who are wiser than you. I know it's hard to believe. There are people who have made so many more mistakes than you and have lived through them and are able to tell the story on the other side. There are people who have walked with Jesus for decades. There are people in this church who have walked with Jesus for 60, 70 years. Wow. We should listen to them and what they have to say. Ask these people for advice. When I was making a decision whether to marry Emily or not, I remember coming to my father and wrestling with this huge decision that was overwhelming me. And then I remember going to my mentors, wrestling with this huge decision that would change my life forever. And they counseled me. I've gone to Ray and Adam Jones many times for wisdom, and they have offered me advice many times. And some of it has been good. (laughs) Some of the advice has been extremely difficult to hear and to trust. Because I can't understand and I can't see from their viewpoint. I don't have their perception on life. But they are wiser than me. So I trust them and their counsel. And in faith... Listen to their advice, even though I think they're wrong. (laughs) But every single time I have found that they were right, they have never steered me astray. Ask wise men and women. Ask them. And thirdly, just do something. Wayne Gretzky, NHL's all-time lead scorer, says this, You miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So true. As you approach making decisions in your life, seek God's will, ask wise men and women, and then just let it rip. Often, as a Christian, the decisions you're going to make are going to be very confusing to the world. You're going to look different. You're going to make different kinds of choices. When we were prepping for the Let's Go campaign to raise money for the next two years of ministry here at Seven Rivers, we met with a consultant, and he gave us this advice. He said, listen, when you go to people and you ask them to give their money, they are going to be wise and seek the help from their financial advisor to think through it. But he says, as they say that, just encourage them that before they went, go to their financial advisor, which is wise to do, Advise them to first pray to the Lord. See what God puts on their heart. 
What's a financial advisor going to say when you come to him and say, hey, I want to give my money away? He's going to say, wow, you have all this extra money to give? Why don't we take that money, put it in an investment account, and let it compound interest and make your money work for you? Let's, let's not be silly here. That's really good financial advice, by the way. You should listen to that. But in the kingdom of God, there's a different kind of investment. God uses money differently. God's word and Holy Spirit presses on all of our hearts to be generous with what we have. Even if the world thinks it's crazy. One of our interns just graduated from Florida State University with a biology degree. Go Knowles. But as he has seeked God's will, and as he has asked wise men and women, he has felt the Holy Spirit call him to be a pastor. I want to be like, are you sure? That's a biology degree. You you can do a lot of things with that degree. It seems crazy. It seems crazy. Sometimes as you aim for God's will and and you ask wise men and women, you're still going to miss the mark, though. You're still going to mess up and do it wrong. Recently, I was in a situation with, uh, with some, some people that I cared about. I prayed about the decision. I had to make a choice. I had to, you know, do this. I sought advice from men and women, wise men and women, who counseled me. And I just felt like God was saying, go for it. Like, do it. I have a plan for this. Like, I want you to take a step of faith and talk to them about this. And so we sat down, we talked and man, I hurt some people. I hurt them. But you know what was absolutely amazing that happened? We repented, we apologized, and we gave God the glory. And through it all, we grew closer together. And we grew closer to our Father. I think that's what God's plan was for me. He wanted me to go talk, speak, and grow closer to him. In Jeremiah 29, 11, this is people's, a lot of people's favorite verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you future and a hope. And often we interpret this as God's plan for me to have worldly prosperity for my bank account to grow. But as you trust in God, and as you walk with him, you realize that is not what God has for you. What God has for you is himself. And he wants you, and he wants you to be with him. And so as you trust in him, his plans are probably not going to result in worldly prosperity. They could, but they might not. But his plans involve you being with him and him being with you. So, if that's our future, if that's where we're headed, let it rip. In faith, trust God. Make a decision. It could be right, it could be wrong, but you're not alone. The Father is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you, no matter what you do and what you decide. There is no mistake that God has you 
here this morning. Every single one of us is facing a decision, something that we have to choose between. We are all facing something. What is that? What are you facing this morning? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And by his grace, through the work of Jesus Christ, have full confidence that whatever decision you make, in the end, God is going to make something beautiful out of it. So why? Why, 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 why trust God? What's Solomon's story? Where does he come from? What's his history? And Second Samuel 11, David, the father of Solomon, turns from God, commits adultery with Bathsheba. Bad decision. She becomes pregnant, and so he makes another bad decision to cover up his sin, and he kills Bathsheba's husband. And then he takes her as his own, and she gives birth to a child who dies. And David is confronted by Nathan the prophet, and he repents. And God does something amazing. Bathsheba becomes pregnant again and gives birth to Solomon, the prophet writers, the one who writes, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Doesn't make much sense. We can't understand God's plan. But trust him. God accomplishes his sovereign, holy plan despite the good or bad decisions you make. No matter how hard evil or sin try to manifest itself in our daily choices, God's plan of redemption will be accomplished despite you. Despite the poor choices of David and even the poor choices of Solomon and the poor choices of Rehoboam, God's redemption is still accomplished in them. And how do we know this? In Matthew chapter 1, we see it right in the beginning of the Gospels. An ancestry, a lineage. And you know whose name is written down in that ancestry and lineage? Bathsheba. Wow. Wow. It is through the history of bad decision after bad decision that Jesus comes to us. And Jesus makes a choice here on earth. And his decision here on earth upon the cross changes the world. Stephen Keenan and Alessia Zucchini are free divers. I don't know if you guys know anything about free diving, but it's an extreme sport with extreme consequences, and it's absolutely wild. It's, it's a sport where you dive, and you try to dive to the greatest depth that you can reach while holding your breath. No oxygen, no, no anything. You just you go hundreds of meters down, and then all the way back up. It's wild. Steven is a safety diver, so he is part of the team that makes sure that free divers, like Alessia, who's, who, who is a world record holder, diving 104 meters, he, he, his job is to make sure that they are safe, that if they were to black out underwater or to pass out, that they would be carried to the surface. 
They both trained together, and as they trained together, they fell in love. And there's this blue hole off the coast of Egypt, and it has this tunnel system that shoots you out to the other side. It's 50 meters down, you have to dive 50 meters, and then you have to swim 30 meters through a tunnel, and then you come out on the other side, and you have to then go 50 meters back up. They call it the arch. And many free divers attempt it every single year. And more people die trying to do the arch than on Mount Everest in a year. It's because it's incredibly dark. People get disoriented in the tunnel. It can be low visibility. So it's incredibly dangerous. In July 2017, Alessia attempted the arch she was attempting to become the second woman in the world to do it. Stephen was helping her train for this. And part of their plan was that she would dive 50 meters, go across the 30-meter tunnel system, and he would be waiting for her on the other side to guide her back up to the surface. But on her attempt, she did it faster than Stephen thought. And then they planned. And as she was reaching the end of the tunnel in low visibility, in the darkness, she could not see Stephen. And Stephen was above her, and he could see her, and he had a decision to make. He knew that if she kept swimming, and if he didn't catch up to her, that she would just keep swimming until she drowned. But he also knew that if he went after her, he wouldn't be able to hold his breath that long. Someone was going to die. Who was it going to be? Stephen had a choice. There was a documentary team filming this, and they had to helplessly sit with scuba gear on, screaming through their scuba mask to Alessia. She can't hear them. As she, they see Stephen above her. But they took this picture. I want you guys to see it. Stephen went after her. He made a decision. He made a choice. He chose her at the cost of his life. That's the last picture of Stephen Keenan alive. Alessia would survive, and Stephen would drown. She has gone on to break 26 world records for freediving, and every single one she dedicates to him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is faced with a decision. He knows that someone has to die for your sins. In the garden, he prays to God, is there another way, Father? But in the end, he responds and prays this, not my will, but yours be done. What is God's will? God's will is for his beloved son to die on the cross for you. And on that cross, Jesus makes right all the decisions of those who belong to him. 
Jesus on that cross says, I choose you. So to the dads and the moms in this room who struggle with the guilt of all the decisions they make every single day with their children, and they're always wondering whether they're making the right call or not, I want you to know something. There's no decision that you can make, and there's nothing you can do to get in the way of Jesus saving your kids and Jesus saving you. And to the sinners, those who've made some awful choices. No matter what you have decided or done, or whatever you're going to decide in the future, there's nothing you can do to stop him from choosing you. And if there is one decision that I would want you guys to make this morning, my friends, I would want you to decide whether or not you will trust in Jesus. Will you trust him? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your paths. Let's pray. Father, we come to you as people who have made poor choices, as people who have regrets, as people who have the guilt of their decisions. And we come to you asking you to forgive us and to make those choices right. We come to you trusting that in the end, you're going to make something beautiful out of us and something beautiful out of our families. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, who made a choice and who chose us. We love you and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Seven Rivers, please visit our website at sevenrivers.org.